kind of with, with the homework for last night, I realized that um, because we transitioned and we're sort of using slightly different language, some of the, the terminology kind of probably threw you off. And so I'm just going to kind of walk it. And so the good news is that it's, it's actually simpler, simpler than probably what you were thinking. Um, but it still takes sort of understanding what's going on to sort of begin to, to work through these problems. So I'm just going to um, walk through the three problems, just more sort of the, um, the mechanics of how to do it. Um, the, the formulas and stuff you use is what we covered in lecture, but sort of the, the mechanics of how you use um, the, the online thing is what I want to do. And I actually found a, a better, I talked to the, to the, um, to the author of the book, and I said, that little thing that you gave us um, doesn't really work very well. And she's like, oh, well, actually, we have a, a, a new version we're about to launch, and I'll give you access to it. And so it's right here, and it's much, much easier to work with. And so, because um, I was even having problems, like typing things in, it would say invalid number. And I'm like, how is 0.1 an invalid number? So so anyways, what, what, this, is, um, what this is showing is, um, sort of the power of what you can do when you have a normal distribution and how you can sort of um, gather the information you need because of sort of some common characteristics of a normal distribution. And so with, um, with like homework one, I mean with the, the first assignment, it's, uh, it's providing you sort of the, the critical values that you need to then find out this information. And, and really, when you're doing this, these types of things, there's some key things that you want to look for. And one is sort of what's the, um, the, the mean value of, of the sample statistic, and then also what is the, um, the standard error of, of the sample statistic. And, um, and probably the third thing that you want to find is sort of what's the significance level or sort of the range of values that you're looking for. And when you have that, then you can then sort of find out the stuff that you're most interested in. So with the, um, the commuting times, in the example, it says um, the mean is 21.97. So that was the mean number of minutes um, that people in St. Louis uh, spend commuting. And then the standard deviation is 0.65. So you do so you basically you set up your normal distribution in here and then and then what it's asking you is so okay how many how many of the what proportion of the commute times are greater than 23 minutes so you can just you can go because you're wanting to know what's greater than you do a right tail so you click on that and then you go down here and plug in, okay, I want to know which values are greater than 23 minutes, or what proportion of the values. And so it tells you that it's um, 0 0.057. Um, the proportion of values greater than 23 minutes is 0 0.057. And so one of the reasons why we did this particular assignment was this is a very similar approach to how you do p-values. Like, because, you know, if you want to know, um, say your, your significance level is 0 0.05, and so you do that. And then it's basically saying that any, um, 
Oops, I didn't put this in. Any value that's greater than 23.039 is, is going to be considered significant when we do a hypothesis test. But so this is sort of a, um, because all of our um, sampling statistics will be normally distributed, um, we, can, we can use this type of application to quickly find out where our observed, oops, where our observed sample statistic um, fits on this distribution. And so the other one was what, um, what proportion of values are less than 20 minutes? Can someone give an example of how we would sort of find what proportion of values are less than 20 minutes? Uh, less than 20 minutes. So would it be a left tail, two tail, or right tail? Okay, left. And then, so then, um, and then we go down here, and that's where your sort of cut point is. So you want to know what proportion are less than 20 minutes? Wait, I can ask one question. Yes. How did you just, what did you click for that component? Uh, you just click 20? Yep. Yeah. So, so in a sense, the values along the x-axis are are the um, sort of the the values of whatever it is that you're measuring. Mm -hmm. And so, it's in this case, it's minutes. The values that you'll see up here is just telling you the proportion of values that are under under the curve for that region. Uh -huh. um, so, so that kind of shows you how to do a, uh, a quick test of sort of if you, if you have a certain significance level. See, up until this point, we've always sort of had a significance level of 0 0.05, and we kind of know it's, oh, yeah, that's two standard deviations out. But if you need to know sort of what's, if you, if you have different cut points, like different sort of okay, it can't exceed this amount. You need this. This allows you to sort of quickly enter that in um, to find the answer. Uh, the the next example was um, was uh, with hearing loss in teenagers, and so the formula for that, which we went over in class, is p hat plus or minus z star times the standard error. And so, so the, the next thing that, so this is the, the normal distribution. And what we covered at the very end of class yesterday was a thing called the uh, standard <coughs> normal distribution. Anyone remember the, the parameters for a, a a standard normal distribution. It's the one that's been standardized. And so what what's the mean? The mean is zero. Okay. So zero. <coughs> and standard deviation is one. So the 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 great thing about this particular distribution is whatever um, Wherever your point is on the curve, that is its z-score. Um, it lets you know how many how many standard deviations it is away from the mean. And so, if we have uh, this example with with the hearing loss, and we want to know um, 
So we have p hat, which is the sample proportion, plus or minus z star times the standard error. And so we have, in this example, we have p hat, and we have standard error. And z star is basically, you want to know, that's defined by whatever your confidence interval is. And so in this example, the confidence interval is 90%. So it would be two-tailed because you want to know the proportion in the center. Yes. Why? So when when you're doing confidence, you're wanting to. Oh, when I'm doing confidence. Because you're you kind of want to know the middle values, and in this in this particular question, we wanted to know the middle 90 percent. So you plug that in, and so that tells you that the, the upper bound of the, the 90% confidence interval, the z-score is 1.645. And so that just lets you know the value for right in here. So in, in the past, where you'll, where hopefully we'll see some, so we're doing confidence interval. And this is for, um, a 90% confidence interval. <clears throat> in the past, what we've only, what we've typically done is a 95% confidence interval. Um, and does anyone know what the Z star for a 95% confidence interval? Like, two. So, like it would just it'd be p hat plus or minus two. And so we can we can test that by saying, okay, no, I, I actually want to do 95% confidence interval. And so the value we see is is 1.96. And yeah. Okay. So so the, the values along the bottom are. Um, um, whatever it is that you're measuring. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, because it's a standardized normal, it's, it's a, a standardized number on a continuum. Like it, it actually doesn't have any mm -hmm. units. Um, but then the numbers up here are letting you know the proportion of values under the curve for that region. Mm -hmm. So and then the way you can manipulate that is just by going to you know, to the particular thing that you're in. So like this, we want to mm -hmm. change the confidence interval. So we just click on that, and then uh, it says, well, what is the proportion of values you yeah. want to know about? Mm -hmm. And so you can type in 0 0.9, 0 0.95, 0 0.99. Uh -huh. So, um, so again, the the good thing is is that you don't have to sort of um, do the math of calculating it. Like that's not part of the scope of this course, um, but you still need to find those numbers, and so this is a quick way. The other way, I guess, that has been done in the past is you'd have a, a big list of, of numbers corresponding, like, you know, you'd have one page that said 90% confidence interval, and then you'd have a list of, of values that you'd plug in, and it's just much more complicated. So hopefully this, this way of doing it is more straightforward. Um, but I understand that if you've never done it before, it's kind of like, you know, what am I supposed to put where? And so, and we're going to go over more examples today, but that kind of covers 
some of the homework to bring a little clarity. And as I said, I'll, I'll get you guys this, this website um, because it actually hasn't been launched, but it's ready to go so we can use it. So um, we're going to cover, um, so for the next four days, just to give you sort of a, a mapping of where we're going, uh, the next two days is going to be inference for categorical variables. So we're going to be looking at categorical variables, uh, in particular, the distribution of, uh, of sample proportions, the confidence intervals for sample proportions, and then hypothesis testing with, uh, with, um, with sample proportions. And so you'll, kinda, you'll, you'll see a little bit of a theme, like we're going to look at confidence intervals and then hypothesis testing. Um, and then for the day, next day, it's going to be inference for um, categorical variables, but it's going to be for two proportions. So like we've been doing differences in proportions, and we're going to look at um, confidence intervals and hypothesis tests for differences in proportions. And then the third day is going to be for quantitative variables, and we're going to do for single quantitative variables, and then the next day will be for two quantitative variables. So. Fortunately, in this, you'll, you'll, there'll be overlap. You'll be like, oh, okay, there's similarities between how you deal with proportions and how you deal with, um, with uh, quantitative variables and means. Um, so, that so at least, yeah, for the next four days, you're going to be seeing stuff over and over again, but in different, different contexts. And uh, standard error is sort of, is going to be a, a big focus of, of what we're going to be looking at, because that sort of, it, it lets you know um, how much air is in your sample statistic. Like what's, um, how, how confident are you in, in your point estimate or your sample statistic that you have? And so um, just as, as a note for, for like um, terminology, and I've noticed this in the book, and it's, it's probably helpful just to, to be aware of this, is that um, when it refers to the standard error of a sample statistic, it's a, it's, it's a shorter way of saying the standard deviation of the distribution of sample statistics. So to kind of remind you that you have, um, so we have our, our sample, and in this case it's a categorical variable, and so we have our, our sample proportion, and that's our, that's our one uh, point estimate for the population, but we, we know that that's just an estimate of the population, and we know if I did a different sample, it'd be slightly, it'd have a slightly different proportion, and if I did a thousand, you'd have sort of a distribution of different sample proportions. And what we're interested in is how much do those sample proportions vary from sample to sample? And so what we're wanting to know, or the, the way that it's described is, it's the standard error of your sample proportion. So, um, so um, I'm, I'm bringing that up because I think it, it can be confusing because you're like, wait, how is that different from the standard deviation of the sample proportion? Um, maybe someone can try. What is, what is the difference? This will test if, it, if it's sinking in. The difference between the standard deviation of a sample proportion versus the standard error of a sample proportion. Same difference. Same difference. Close. <laughs> Except I probably, I wouldn't need to like spell it out if that was the case. 
Um, so you have a sample. And I'll, I'll just use a, a simple example like height. And again, well, this is a quantitative, but um, the, the sample values of height, like the height of, uh, of Duke students, the values are, are distributed in this way. Um, and, and so you have a, a mean height, and then you also have the standard deviation of heights. And so, so that would be um, the sample, the standard deviation of the sample mean. Um, and so we have, let's say, mean height is 64 inches. Um, this is our, our sample mean is 64, but we want to know how that sample mean varies, like because this is only a sample of Duke students, and if we took another random sample of Duke students, the sample mean might be uh, 64.2. And then if we did another random sample of Duke students, the sample mean for that would be 63.9. And if we did, so you want to know how much this sample statistic varies from sample to sample. And in that variation is where we get that the, the sampling distribution. So like it would be, this would be 64, 65, 66. And so you put in, OK, we've got one at 64, one at 64.2, one at 63.9. And so it's going to be. It's going to be centered around uh, this, the um, the observed sample statistic, and and when you want to know how much these sample means vary from sample to sample, that's the standard deviation of this distribution, which we also call or formally call the standard error. They still find it the same way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and so the reason why they call this standard error is because then you'll often say, what's the standard error for this sample mean? And what they're not asking, what's the standard deviation of this? They're asking, what's, what's sort of um, the, the variation in the, in the sample mean? So, so again, you'll see, they'll say, um, the standard error of the sample statistic is this. And you kind of, you need to know that what they're referring to is how much does this, um, does the sample statistic vary from sample to sample? So that could be a thing that, that trips you up, and so it's good to be aware of. Uh, so then, again, the, the focus for the next four days <coughs> is um, there's a way to estimate the standard error of a sample statistic without having to simulate thousands of randomization Sample, samples. So up until this point, the only way that we've been able to calculate the standard error of, of a sample statistic is to go do um, the bootstrap uh, sampling distribution and then find out, okay, what's, we do a thousand samples and then we calculate the mean for each of those samples and then find out how much it varies. There's another, there's a way to estimate it um, because it's um, because you, you never really know, because even a thousand isn't the whole universe of random samples you could do. You could do ten thousand or a hundred thousand. Um, so, 
But what we're going to focus on is sort of a, a way to estimate the standard error, uh, and in this case, of a sample proportion. And so the standard error of a sample proportion, and I just I put in like the full definition of what I'm meaning, the standard deviation of the distribution of sample proportions. And this is how it can be calculated. Um, so you could either do the bootstrap sampling distribution or you could do a formula. And maybe at the end of the class, I'll let you guys decide which way you prefer better, of doing a sort of more tactile, like sort of actually running through a 1,000 samples or doing it with a formula. My sense is doing it the tactile way sort of lets you know what's going on and then then it'll, it'll sort of at least give you confidence in the formula. But um, so what, what's in this what's in this formula for standard error of a of a sample proportion? What are the the symbols that you recognize? Uh oh. You know what n is though, right? Sample size. Yep. So p. Anyone anyone know what p is? Is that big p or little p? Uh, it actually it, it, it doesn't it's both it doesn't matter. So proportion of what? Yeah, of the yes, the, it's the population proportion. So what? Well, yeah, they're interchangeable. The the, the main distinction is p and p hat. So p okay. is going to be because a lot of times you just can't tell is that a capital p or a small p, so mm -hmm. they just sort of. Interchange yeah, but the, the P hat, you know, when there's a hat on it. So, um, so, so the formula is the population proportion, and it also includes uh, your sample size. So, notice that the sample size in the denominator. Um, so we have we have sample size in the denominator, and so as the sample size increases, so as you have a larger sample. Uh, the standard error will decrease. So in that, that should make sense that if, if, um, if I, if I want to know the height of, of Duke students and I only sample five people and I get a sample statistic and then I want to see how much the next sample of five would vary from, from my original, you're going to, if you're only looking at five people, there's going to be a lot of variation in your sample statistics, whereas if I took 500 people, the the sample mean that I get is gonna um, is not gonna vary much from sample of 500 to 500 because I will have a pretty good representation of the Duke student population. Uh, so I'm gonna take probably the, the the simplest example possible to sort of m map this out and kind of convince you that, or let you see how this how this formula works. So we're going to do a, a coin toss, and, and when you um, sort of um, call what the coin is going to be, uh, the, 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 say you do it um, 10 times, the number of right guesses is a sample proportion. So think about flipping the coin 10 times, and you guess 10 times, and so then the sample proportion is the number of right guesses you get. So um, when randomly guessing the outcome of a coin toss, we actually know um, what the population proportion is going to be. 
you know, it's going to be 0.5. Unless you're like McKay, you have psychic powers, and they <laughs> recruit you to field hockey so that you can always win. Do they have coin toss in field hockey? Yeah. Okay, see, I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> um, and, and the standard error, so, so the standard error for the sample proportion of correct guesses out of 10, so this is how we calculate the standard error of our, of our sample proportion. And so we take the population parameter, which is 0.5, and then you, also, you multiply that by 1 minus 0.5, and then you divide it by the, the sample size. And in this case, we tossed the coin 10 times. And so if, if we ran this experiment and tossed the coin, you know, tossed the coin 10 times for, for Tim, and he guessed it, we would get, let's say he got 4 out of, out of 10. Then we would have our sample. What would our sample proportion be if he got four out of ten? Correct. If he guessed four out of ten correctly, what what proportion of guesses did he guess correctly? Point four. So, point four. Our p hat is point four. And then if we want to go over here and look at how. So that's one. That's one sample. But then if I went to McKay and I went to Rachel. We want to know how this sample proportion would vary. And so we know it's going to be centered around 0.5, because that's, that's the population parameter in this case. Um, and so we have 0 0.4, 0 0.6. And so you're going to have dots in here. And that's going to give you. And then what we're wanting to find is, what's the standard deviation of these different samples? And so. And I think, let's see, oh yeah, I did do it. So um, so we have the standard error is 0.158. Um, so how does this, how does the standard error of 0.158 compare with the value we get via bootstrap sampling? So we're going to go back to what we've done. Um, does anyone remember how we would do this in bootstrap sampling? Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. So how how would we do it this way? We would go to um, bootstrap. bootstrap for what type of variable? The one binary category. Uh huh. So so it's a, a single yeah, proportion. Single. Okay. And then what we do is we edit our data. And so our um, our count would be, this is where we put in our, our population parameter. So 5 and 10 is our sample size. And then if we generate it 1,000 times, so this is sort of replicating if, 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 you, did, if you did tossing the coin five, uh, 10 times, and you do that 1,000 times to get 1,000 of these uh, sample statistics, uh, you see that the mean is, is 0 0.508, so which is more or less right. You know, again, because this is, this you're simulating it, so it's not going to be a precise number. And then the, the standard deviation of that distribution is 0.156. And so again, the one that we calculated using our formula was 
0.158. So what this is showing you is that there's, there's two ways to arrive at the standard error of, of a sampling distribution. So one is with the bootstrapping, which we did, where we sort of simulate, you know, a thousand samples doing it a thousand times. And with this example is how you do it with a formula. But if I just started with a formula, it would make no sense. It'd be like, why does that work? But hopefully this will sort of show you the connection between um, how we arrive, even what standard error is and how we arrive at it. Um, so here's just a replication of what we did on, on stat key. Um, and then to show you um, how, how sample size affects the standard error, so this is what we did do where, um, where the sample size is 10, the standard error is 0.158. If we increase the sample size to 100, what do you, um, the standard error goes down. And so what that means is the, the range of, of sample proportions becomes much tighter. And, it's, and it makes sense because if, um, or at least even with coin tosses, um, when you get up to like 100 coin tosses, you're going to basically get really close to point, point 0.5 of them right. Um, so that's just sort of uh, probably the, the, the simplest example to kind of show how this formula works for calculating the standard error of a sample proportion. Um, so calculating the standard error uh, for, a, for a single proportion is, is, this, is this formula. There's a problem, though. Uh, unlike the coin toss example, we typically do not know uh, the value for p. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to find out how to get p. We got to find out how to get. Unless you know, do you know p? No, oh, no p. <laughs> Don't we never know p? Exactly. Yeah, oh. yeah. Only so the reason why I did the coin toss example is because that's a situation where actually p is known. But in general, in, in, in social science, well, at least you, at least it made sense, right? Okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, and I mean, and the, the whole reason why we, why we do statistics is because the population parameter isn't known. And that's why we, we do a sample of the population, and then we make inferences about the population parameters. So... But at least you know that this formula works because we, we, we tested it in both directions and we came out with the same, the same standard error. Um, so then, so it's like, okay, we don't know what P is. It says that we can estimate the standard error of a sample proportion by using our best estimate of the population proportion, which is our sample proportion. So remember how is you know um, when I'd ask what's what's the uh, population proportion I would say well what's our what's our best estimate of what the population proportion is and it it's our it's our sample proportion so so the sample proportion uh, the sample that we have actually has value because it gives us a pretty good estimate of the population proportion. So does that, does that make, that's nothing new, but it's just sort of taking something that we've done and putting it in a new context. So we know that 
um, the sample proportion is a pretty good estimate of the population proportion. It's not, it's not exactly it, but it's, it's a good estimate. And so we can, we can rewrite the formula to say that the standard error um, for the sample proportion is, and we just replace um, p with p hat. And so it, it, it changes uh, it slightly, and then it changes to being uh, is, is approximately equal to. So, um, <clears throat> so this is something that um, we've seen before is, is the, um, the confidence, the X percent confidence interval uh, equals a sam the sample statistic plus or minus Z star, and Z star corresponds with whatever confidence interval you're wanting uh, times the standard error. So to then expand this out, so the sample statistic is p hat plus or minus z star times, and then we, we put in our new formula for standard error. That's for confidence? Yes. Yep. And again, z star, that's sort of what we used with the computer this morning is you say if it's a 90% confidence interval, then you just say, okay, what's, what's the upper bound of the 90% confidence interval? And that's our... Z, Z value for this formula. So the reason why Z is kind of in this notation is because the type of confidence interval you might be looking for will change from, from problem to problem. So, uh, so just I guess so you guys can have it as a reminder, Z star is a location on the standard normal distribution and its value is determined by the confidence level that is selected. So one that we're familiar with is that a 95% confidence interval, Z star equals two. So let's go back to a familiar example with Obama's approval rating. So we remember that um, P hat was 0.49 and the sample size was 1,500. So then, the, so we, um, Actually, Gallup did this for us. Remember, they said that um, it was P hat. Does anyone remember what uh, the 95% confidence interval was? Plus or yeah, plus or minus three. Um, so let's see if, if they were right, if they, if they um, did it correctly. So we said 95%, our, our formula for 95% confidence interval is P hat, Z star, and then the, the formula for standard error of this sample proportion. So you, you plug in the numbers, and keep going, and keep going, and actually it's um, plus or minus 0 0.026. I think Gallup rounded up or whatever, um, but it basically comes out to the same thing that Gallup did. And it also, if you remember, remember when we did the, the bootstrap sampling, um, we did, we sort of, um, we replicated the Gallup study a thousand times and we got a thousand sample proportions and we found out that the standard error of this distribution of sample proportions was point, point .013 and that's, um, let's see, so that's the same as what that is right there, would be point .013. So, 
Um, and so you get it, so you can get it both ways. Um, you can get it using the formula, or as we've done in the past, with the bootstrap sampling. So does that, um, that's, that's another example of, and actually what's interesting is um, using this, we actually didn't know the true population parameter. We didn't know what the, the true proportion of people who approve of Obama uh, as president. So we did our best estimate, but our best estimate turns out to be a really good estimate. I mean, it gives us the same confidence interval. And then um, the other way, if you remember the 95% uh, confidence interval using the percentile method, where you just look at the middle 95, what proportion um, is in the middle 95%, and then what are the, the what's the lower end and what's the upper end, and that also gives you the confidence interval. So this is not anything new, it's just sort of another more general way to calculate. Like if you weren't going to do bootstrapping and you just and you wanted to um, sort of enter a formula. And the good thing is is that formulas, um, like when you guys work with the GSS, it automatically computes these things, but you kind of need to know what it's computing so that you put in the right values. Um, and, and so what, what this allows for is um, looking at other levels of confidence. So I'll need to change these slides so that they use the new and better um, applet. But, but basically, um, rather than just saying, okay, we're only looking at 95% confidence interval because that's plus or minus two standard deviations from the mean, you could look at uh, a 90% confidence level would have a Z star of 1.5. Um, 645, a 99% confidence interval would have a Z star of 2.576. And so what you're wanting to do is um, you, you can adjust your confidence level. Like so if you have a particular test where they require a 99% confidence interval, you're not stuck in saying, well, I only learned how to do 95%, so that's the best I can do. You can, you can adjust it to, to vary on what you need to look at. Okay, so this is a, a, a new term, uh, and it's it'll, but it's it's important because it's going to keep coming up, and you're going to be like, what are they talking about? What is, why do they all of a sudden uh, pop up this new term, and I don't know what it's referring to. So I'm going to help you um, see what it's actually referring to. So test statistics. A test statistic is the observed sample statistic you use when conducting a hypothesis test. And so um, I know, I mean, I think this has even come up, you know, I think on the tests and even in the homeworks when, I, when I've been sort of hammering to you guys, like, what's the observed sample statistic? Some of you will say that you'll give me the sample size or you'll give me, uh, you'll say men and women or you'll say, you know, a bunch of different things that aren't accurate. And um, so the, the, the observed sample statistic, it's, it's the particular um, statistic that you're going to be testing. So like when we do the gender and exercise, the, and we want to know what's the difference in, in, um, in, in the amount of time exercising between men and women, the, the test statistic is the, the difference x men, x bar men minus x bar female. 
So this is sort of the statistic that we're going to be testing. So the difference in the means, or? Yeah, the difference in mean in this in this example, but other times, like we're just the, the statistic that we're testing is um, is just p hat like for Obama approval rating. So, but it's and and that's where it's like looking at the question, saying, okay, what is it <coughs> that they're wanting to test? Um, and so, but it's it's critical that you know because then this sort of becomes uh, the focus of your hypothesis test. You're going to see. Because you're going to have a value here, and I think this, in this example it was three hours, and you're going to say, um, you know, how unusual of a difference is this? Um, if 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 in in a world where there was no difference between men and women, um, how unusual would it be to get an outcome that's three hours or whatever? So, so whenever you see in the book that they're saying they're referring to test statistic, it's it's referring to sort of the, the sample statistic that you're going to be sort of focusing your research on. Um, and like I said, you're, you're testing to see how unusual it would be to get this value by random chance if the null hypothesis was true. So this is sort of the whole framework for a hypothesis test. Um, so it's just important that you know test statistic is sort of the, the critical uh, observed sample statistic that you're wanting to see how unusual it is. And so then through the hypothesis test, you determine the probability of getting a value as extreme as your test statistic when the null hypothesis is true. So this is just sort of restating sort of what we've already done, but um, letting you see, okay, we're looking at we're wanting to see, this is the statistic that we're testing, the test statistic. And then uh, this probability is the p-value for your test statistic. And then the last one is the, the location of the test statistic on the sampling distribution when the null hypothesis is true has a corresponding z-score, which can be used as another way to calculate the p-value. So hopefully you'll, you'll see how um, this, this stuff is coming together. I'll, I'll pull up, um, let's see if I, so if we wanted to know. Yeah, it's the, the new, <laughs> new version. Um, let's see. So in a sense, if you want to know the p-value for your test statistic, and let's just say in this example, our, our test statistic, which you would enter right down here, is, um, let's just say it's uh, 1.5. So that's your observed sample statistic for whatever it was you're measuring. Let's say it's 1.5, and we want to know the p-value. What would be the p-value of that test statistic? Yeah. So you can always, you can bring it back to the normal distribution to kind of then see, okay, is it greater than, I mean, uh, what, what proportion of values are as extreme as your test statistic? Um, why? Are you good? Okay. It'll never be more than one because um, the proportion, the, 
the overall proportion of values under the curve is one. So it could never be greater okay. than one. So, um, okay, so I've hopefully clarified test statistics. And the reason I did that is because we're going to look at um, a standardized test statistic. Now, this, this will actually, this, this makes life simpler for you and for everyone who does research, if you can, if you can have standardized values. Like, um, and what, what, what standardized means is you're all looking at sort of the, the same uh, measure. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're, um, you notice like when you go and buy shoes, there's like about four different numbers on your shoe size. There's like the UK version and the, I don't even know what they all are, but there's four different shoe sizes. And wouldn't it be nice if there was just one standard um, uh, sort of way to measure shoes? Then you could just have, you know, your, you just kind of know around the world, my shoe size is seven, and that's just a standard thing. That's basically what they, what they do in statistics is they have a standardized test, test statistic. And so whatever, so like in this, in this case, we're looking at um, difference in mean height in, in our, our, uh, our test statistic is three hours. Well, if we're doing another study somewhere else and, and it has another sort of um, measure, it'd be hard to compare the two. And so what this is doing is it, it standardizes the values for all test statistics. And so, um, and it has a name, of course. Uh, so the standardized test statistic is, is called the Z statistic. Anytime you see um, Z, it, it usually means it's um, referring to standard or normal, like Z-score, um, Z-statistic. And even, to be honest, like sometimes I get confused of like all these different Zs, and so that's why I'm trying to map it out and keep it connected for you guys so that you can pull up this slide and be like, okay, Z-statistic, it's, it's, it's related to Z-score, but it's slightly different. Um, and so if, um, and this is in the context of doing hypothesis tests. And so the way that you standardize your test statistic is you take your test statistic minus the null value. And so this is in the context of hypothesis test. And then you divide it by the standard error of um, the, te the test statistic. And what is, what again, to um, remind me, what is the test statistic? Statistic? Yes. So make sure you remember that, you know, a test statistic isn't some random thing that we just grabbed from somewhere, but it's, it's your observed sample statistic. And then we're wanting to create a standardized value for it. Um, so the, the Z statistic is the number of standard errors an observed sample statistic is from the null, from the null value. So let's think about that. Um, remember when we calculated Z score for a particular value? Does anyone remember the formula for that? For Z score? 
So x minus x bar over standard deviation. And so that's z score. And that would give you, let's say that the value for the z score was, was 1.5. What would that, what would that value tell you? If it, if, if a, um, if this value x has a z score of 1.5, what does that mean? Brittany? Yes. So it's um, 1.5 standard deviations um, plus or minus the mean. So that's z score. Z um, statistic is very similar in that you have your, your test statistic, which is, in a sense, the value, um, the value that you're interested in. You want to know how much it differs from the null value. And that the null value is sort of, remember how we say, um, uh, what would be the, the value of the test statistic if the hypothesis was true? So that's what, and we'll, we'll work through what null value is. But null value is sort of what the value of the test statistic would be if the null hypothesis was true. And so a lot of times, um, well, I'll just put null value. So we can, and then you divide by the standard error of the test statistic. And so then let's say it gives a value of, 2.5. So we have z statistic was this. And so if we have, um, if the z statistic for our test statistic is 2.5, what is that telling us? Uh huh. So it's, um, it's 2.5 standard errors plus or minus whatever the null is. Okay, so there's a relationship between z-score and z-statistic, and, and you'll see why this why this is important or relevant. <clears throat> um, and, and the reason why it is this for any, so you can plug, basically the idea is you can plug any test statistic into this to get a standardized um, uh, z-statistic. And so remember like when we did, um, the example of ACT score and SAT score. And so we want to know, well, how do we compare a person's SAT score with another person who has an ACT score? We needed to standardize it. And the way that we had, we had done it was um, we took, you know, the, the person's SAT score um, minus the mean value of all SAT scores divided by the standard deviation of SAT scores, and it gave us a z-score. And then we did the same for the ACT, and it gave a z-score of, let's say, uh, 1.3. And so you could then, by standardizing it, you could compare SATs with ACTs, and you could see, oh, wow, this one is 1.5 standard deviations above the mean, so it's a better score than the ACT, which was only 1.3. So. Um, so we're just we're doing the same process of standardizing, but now we're doing it with our test statistic.
let's see. Uh, yeah, I can go through. So we'll, we'll look at uh, an example in StatKey. Okay, so um, so this is what we've done in, in StatKey of, of um, the difference in proportion of, of exercise or difference in, in means of exercise time. So if we have, um, so this is uh, men's exercise time, women's exercise time, and, and then this is the randomization sampling distribution of when the null hypothesis is true. And so if we wanted to find the Z statistic for, um, for our, our test statistic for this example, what would it be? So what's, what's the formula for Z statistic? So what's our, our test statistic? It's the, what is our test statistic? Three. How'd you get that? It's the difference. Okay, so it's, just, it's right here, the difference. So say equals three. Okay, what's our null value? What did you say? Uh, with exercise and gender, like the, the difference in, in means of the amount of time men exercise versus. So what would be the, the null? What's the null? What's the value of? So null, another way of saying it is the value of the test statistic when the null hypothesis is true. Zero. Just zero. So we do zero. And then um, what's the standard error from, from here, from the bootstrap? 2.31. 2. 2. So divided by 2.31. And it equals 1.29. I mean, you can do the math. But, um, so it equals 1.29. And so. Um, what is a Z statistic of 1.29 mean, Britain? It's that uh, is how many standard deviations from the null. Uh huh. So that it's like it's, it's within one. It's 1.29 standard deviations away. So you could calculate what the percentage like how many. Okay. So it's um. So it's 1.29. Uh, plus or minus the, the null, right? Mm -hmm. So in the null is zero. zero. So it's it's 1.29 standard deviations from the mean. So um, would we? So something. So if we have a a, a, a threshold level of 0 0.05, like a, a significance level of 0 0.05, and and our, our test statistic is 1.29 um, standard deviations from the null value. Would we, um, what would be our would we reject the null hypothesis or accept it? Okay, so, but since it's been standardized, would we know the p-value? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll show you because this is, it's, it's making, um, <coughs> an extra step, but let's say, okay, right here is a right tail because we're, 
And then down here is where we put our test statistic, <clears throat> which is what? And so it gives us a p-value of 0 0.098. Oops, sorry. So, um, so p-value is, um, and so, okay, another way to look at it is if is on the standard normal distribution, we can plug in our standardized test statistic, and it's 1.29. And so it gives you um, a p-value of 0 0.098. So I know that's, some of you are probably like, huh? How does that work? But so, so the example right here is is when we're when it's not standardized. You just sort of you plug in your test statistic three, and then it tells you the p-value, the proportion of values that are greater than than three, and it's 0 0.098. And so, but when we standardize it. And this is where it's, it's really, really helpful. If you can standardize your test statistic, um, so you take three and you standardize it <coughs> to get a, a Z statistic, and in this case it's 1.29, then you can just go to this distribution right here, which is sort of the standardized normal distribution, and you can plug in um, your test, your standardized test statistic right here, and get your um, your p-value. So, and, and the whole reason behind this is because, you know, up until this point, we've been using sort of the the computer simulation to figure out what the p-value is, and it's like if there's sort of like a standard way to do it where you can sort of take all these different test statistics out there with all these different random values and standardize them, then you can calculate the p-value using one, one standard measure. And so, in a sense, you, you can kind of compare. Like, if we want to know the, the difference in means of, of men and women and how that might, um, like, how unusual our observed sample statistic is compared to like uh, the difference in um, the amount of sleep that men and women get. If we want to know which one is sort of a more extreme uh, difference, we could compare them. Even though we're talking about hours of exercising versus you know hours of sleep or something. So this just sort of shows you, I mean, and so moving forward, our test statistic will always be standardized. Um, and so it's important to know sort of how we go from the unstandardized test statistic to the standardized format. Um, and so instead of using this one that didn't work, I used the, the stat key website to look it up. And it gives the same, the same, uh, same, uh, use the same, both methods provide exact, approximately <coughs> the same p-value of point, of point one. Um, yes? Uh, how often is the normal value going to be zero? Uh, 
most most examples that we use is going to be zero because you're talking about um, uh, when there's no effect or no difference. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, like I mean, I know there's examples where um, you're they say you're tossing a coin and they think that the the coin is a loaded coin and so the null value ends up being 0.7 or something mm -hmm. like but i i'm almost i'm almost certain the null value like and you can tell though mm -hmm. i mean because in the wording of of, of the question you want to see um, you're usually looking at difference of means or like is there a correlation and the null hypothesis would say there's no correlation so null would be zero so almost every example that we'll use I think null is zero uh -huh. so um, so yesterday we were talking about our firstborn children smarter than, than later born children uh, we want to calculate uh, the standardized test statistic. And so if you remember, we looked at SAT score. Was it SAT, I think? Mm -hmm. SAT scores of firstborns compared to, um, to uh, uh, non-firstborns. And the, the test statistic was 30.26. Um, the null is 0 because we're saying that there is no difference between firstborn and laterborn. And the standard error for the test statistic was 37. And so the z-score, or the, I mean, I'm sorry, the z-statistic, a lot of times they just simply refer to it as z. So it starts off as the standardized test statistic. It's sometimes called the z-statistic. And then in shorthand, it'll just be z. So talk about super confusing. Um, but that's why I try and transition you guys through. So last time I just had standardized test statistic and z-statistic. This one shows z-statistic with z, so you just kind of know it could, it could show up in a variety of different ways, and it, it doesn't help when you're learning new concepts. Um, so uh, so our, our z-statistic for our test statistic, and think of that in terms of sort of like what's the z-score for our test statistic, is 0.818, and so um, what we're wanting to do is is find the area in the tails beyond the z statistic for a standard normal distribution. So so our our z statistic is sort of like that's what we use to calculate the p value um, to sort of see what's the proportion of values that are as extreme as our our test statistic. And so I gotta. Um, so uh, this will this will show it on, on this applet, but we'll be using stat key from now on. Um, so you have mean of zero, standard deviation of one. That's our that's our standard uh, that's our standard normal distribution. And then we want to know um, the proportion of values that are above 0.818. Um, maybe it'd help if I did it with. So we have this, and we want to know the proportion of values that are above 0.818. And so what does that tell us that the, the p-value for our test statistic is? Mm, 0.207. So and, and even if we did it in the unstandardized way, it would provide the same p-value. 
It's just this is one, you know, one standard way of doing it. Um, so, in, and I did it on this one, and, and you see point, .207. So this is, this is the standardized test statistic, and the p-value is .0207. And then if we did it in the unstandardized way, where we sort of create a specific normal distribution where the mean is zero, because that's what the null is, and the standard deviation is 37, and then we said, what are the, the proportion of values um, that are above 30.26, because 32.6 is the unstandardized test statistic. And you notice it gives you the same p-value. But in this course, and for future stats, um, we're going to be using the standardized test statistic, because then you can compare across um, different, different, um, different te test statistics. So, um, standardizing test statistics allows us to assess extremity on a common scale. So, it, again, like it's hard to compare SAT with ACT scores, but if you standardize them, and so then you can compare them. And so, if we standardize all of our test statistics, then we can compare them across one another. So then, uh, the the formula for for p-value, uh, we have. The, the Z statistic, test statistic minus null value over standard error. Um, so test statistic comes from the observed data. That's our observed sample statistic. The null value um, comes from our null hypothesis, whatever we're, our hypothesized um, value would be. And then uh, standard error comes either from our randomization distribution or from our standard error formula. There's two different two different ways to calculate that. Um, and then uh, obtain the p-value of the Z statistic by assessing its location on the standard normal distribution. And that's what we've been doing um, with, with this. And so um, this is how we, how we calculate the p-value for something. So there's not a new formula that you're needing to figure out. Yes? Yes. Well, that's what I'm getting yeah. At. Okay. So Z statistic is the number of standard errors. The test statistic is away from the null. So the bottom yeah. So in a sense, this is the null value. Okay. And then you want, and so uh, our Z statistic was 0.818, which was 0.818 standard deviations away from the and null the value. are as extreme as okay. your test statistic, yeah. So, um, so, and then you, you might say, well, gosh, how do I, you know, on an exam, we're not going to have a computer. But what I can do, since we would be standardizing all of our test statistics, all I have to do is have this, this right here um, with, you know, sort of indicators of where the different cut points are. And I could say, um, given a, a, um, a Z, the, the Z statistic for this um, test statistic is uh, three, I would say, what's, what's the, um, would we reject the null hypothesis or accept it? Or, yeah, or not reject it? So if, if you were just, if you were told 
that the Z statistic for a particular test statistic was three, what would be your formal decision? So p-value is proportion of values that are as extreme as, and if, and if our significance level is 0 0.05, what would we do? And you can, you can kind of see, you can we'll plug it in. Yes, you'd reject the null. So let's just say, I mean, this, you can visually look at it, but basically you see 3 is, is way out there, and so the p-value is going to be 0 0.05. One three, and so that's rejecting the null hypothesis. So um, for the for the homework, make sure you, you guys grab the assignment. And um, part two, I'm going to be basically sending you what the final research project is going to be. And so part two of the assignment will be to read it. It's like two pages. Um, and then I also am going to attach a list of GSS variables that sort of it, it's in a better format for, for figuring out which ones you want to use. And then I have a sample sort of paper that's sort of a, a model or a template, mainly of how to organize your research paper. Um, and so make sure you read that, and we'll be talking about it on, on Monday um, if you guys have questions about it. And then hand in your homework.